0: Hello, good evening and welcome to the JerzNet Podcast. Very latest Rangers news, views, and opinions. So, thank you very, very much for joining us tonight. Now, if it's your first time listening to the Jazznet podcast, then a very special welcome to you. Um, as well as going live on YouTube, we're also going to be available for download later on uh, on iTunes, on Acast, Stitcher, Google Music, wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, so, a wee subscribe is always greatly appreciated. Now, listen, we've got a jam-packed show for you this evening. Uh, we're going to be looking back at the Hibs game this afternoon, we're also going to be addressing the shape of the squad, the latest transfer gossip, so settle in, let's get into business. My name's Ross Bennett, I'm going to be your Jazznet host this evening, and I am delighted to be joined by two regular Jazznet pod contributors. First up, uh, it's a very warm welcome back to Pete. Pete, welcome back to Australia, how are you?
1: Yeah, great. Just uh, getting used to the, the the German weather of 12 degrees here just now, so I believe it's in Scotland the same, so went to sort of a 26, 27 degrees way down to 12 within a few weeks, So, but really a lot of rain in Australia, so it was a wee bit like Scotland, except warm.
0: A wee bit like Scotland, but warm. Did you manage to keep up with the football while you were there?
1: Yeah, well, kept up with Rangers TV, unfortunately, at the, when I was there, I couldn't get it onto the cast, but I had, so I was watching it on my telephone, but uh, yeah, kept up with it.
0: Well, listen. It's it's fantastic to have you back. Looking forward to the show this evening. Um. Also with us tonight we have, uh, from on loan from the ever popular four lads had the dream blog. Uh, very warm welcome back to Stevie Clifford. Stevie, now I hear you had quite the memorable day at Ibrox today. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it was a great day today. Uh, fortunate enough to be invited along to do um, a check presentation um, around one thirty prior, obviously to the teams etc. Being there so. Um, that was obviously for the the recent Rangers youth development um raffle that we did and raised nearly six thousand pounds for uh, the youth. So it was really, it was really brilliant to be pitch side, Managed to get um, some pictures with Mark Hately and doing the pre- uh, presentation with Colin Stewart and stuff like that, and then. I thought that was going to be the end of it, but I was fortunate enough to be, um, you know, we got to see both teams come in and they uh, managed to get a picture with the manager, which was a dream come true. And a um, couple of the players and things like that. So it was great to see them up and close and things like that. It was it was just, it was a dream for a wee geek like myself.
0: Ross. For a wee geek. No, it's, uh, it sounds fantastic. And, and obviously the, the work that you, yourself and, and everyone else at Four Lads have done for the, you know, like you say, with a raffle and, and raising money for the youths. It must be pretty sweet seeing the success that the youth have had over the, the last week or 10 days, obviously winning the uh, the youth that won the league again, the, was it Friday or Saturday night this week that won their league and winning the Cups and obviously could the reserves could win the league uh, for themselves to tomorrow evening and I think it must be pretty special for you knowing that you've contributed to that, given some money for that and and the fan base getting involved with the Four Lads blog of 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 helped with the
2: the youngsters coming through. Well, I couldn't really have done it without the support of everybody else. To be honest, there the they're the 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 reason we've managed to to raise the money and things. Um, I just kind of set the ball rolling with it. But um, I've always been passionate about the youth. Um, obviously, my own wee cousin was with Rangers for a long time. He's now with Chelsea, so we've seen a lot of youth in recent years and. Back when I was a a young single man with no family, I used to go and see the the, um, under 18s, under 21s all the time when we had the likes of Fleck and Jordan McMillan and and these kind of guys coming through. So it's always been a passion of mine. I always think there should be good young Scottish Rangers boys coming through. And if you know, £6,000 probably isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things, but if, if we can keep making regular contributions, then hopefully. Um will it, maybe help somewhere along the lines but um yeah I mean youth development certainly something you should be passionate about and it's great to see um, the under 16s won their cup final again today beating Aberdeen 2-1 um at the Hummel Training Centre so you know there's success throughout all these levels, um, 16s, 17s 18s and that really is where where I consider and I think the club consider the, the cream of the crop to be coming through as well so there's a it really is. It's a bright future ahead for these guys.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's, it's so important and it's it, it, it's so great that the fan base now has a, a vehicle and a mechanism by which to support that and get involved with the youth development. And I'd, I'd really recommend anyone that never caught our show last week from last Sunday um, when we had Peter from the, the Rangers youth uh, blog uh, came on the show and, and talked to us about the, the youth setup at rangers is, was absolutely fascinating, genuinely fascinating. So if you if you know to catch that, then certainly take a wee look back on, on whatever platform you get your podcast from and 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 hear what you had to say because it was it was absolutely wonderful. Um listen, if if it's your first time with us tonight on the Jazznet podcast, then let us say we are coming to you live. We've we've managed to activate the, the comments here on the YouTube. I'll be keeping my eye on that all night, so if you've got any questions, any comments, please do get in touch, let us know, we'll be uh, keeping our eye on that and, and trying our best to to get as many of you involved in the show as possible, um, let's make it interactive. Right, without any further ado, we've got plenty to crack on with this evening, so we might as well get on with the show, obviously the first place to start this evening is the Hibs game this afternoon, um, Pete, it was your first game back after your trip to Australia, Tell us, how did you view this this game this afternoon? Was there anyone that particularly stood out for you?
1: Well, after the, the, the last few games, we were really full of hope that the, the style of play was really, really good. And we started off with a bang, didn't we? I mean, within the first three minutes, I think it was, we we should have been two up, really. And I remember that there was one move that I I was clapping at it, was... Jack started it. He actually made a mistake in their own box. And then it just went ticky-tacky with Jack all the way through. And then we got a a chance at the goal at the end of it. It, it, Obviously, I think it was Defoe was cut offside at that that point. But um, in the first four or five minutes, we had really some brilliant play. And first 20 minutes, still played good. And then we just sort of uh, went into the old uh style of, of slogan and just not not really getting there and and then turn to the second half of the, they just died a death really i think Hibbs they set up as a diamond to match our diamond and it seemed to take away all the the wind out of sails so there's the second half wasn't that great
0: no i, I completely agree um Steve, Pete suggested there was a wee tactical tweak from Hibbs in the second half. If we, We'll come back to the goal and, and everything else later on, but the second half we certainly seemed to lose a wee bit of momentum and it, it, in a way it became a bit of a stalemate and certainly became quite a forgettable 45 minutes of football. What happened in the second half that made us lose that momentum? Why, why did that happen in your opinion?
2: Well, we didn't press the ball um, and we became deeper than we really need to. Um, I mean, it's all it's all good and well being compact and and being hard to beat, and I think the issue was that every time Hibs got it, and they they had most of the ball at least for the first 20 minutes of the second half. But every time they knocked it about, we were we were really well organised, and for this is where I kind of like watching because it becomes like a game of chess. And although it is boring attacking, um, attacking wise, tactically it's you get to see how well organised Rangers are and and how the changes that we've recently made kind of work because what happens is when we go in that kind of mode, our field sits in um, and it, it we become like a really tight four. So it's almost, you know, you will get two banks to try and get through. And and Hibbs. I don't think they, up until Canberra got his chance, um, I don't think they had anything on target. They had a, a wee um, kind of sclaff effort by the um, substitute that came on, uh, number 17, Perhaps, but apart from that, there there really wasn't anything, and that's where the, there's credit, um, you know, to to come in. Rangers have I think four clean sheets and five now. Um, Katich has has been a during that for me. Everything coming at him in the air, he, he sweeps up, and but there's a, a proper blend now um, where you can see there's a there's football and brain, in there with with Davis and Arfield and things. So as much as attacking-wise, we didn't do that well because we weren't pressing and pushing high up as we should have been. Um, Hibs were, were, I think, a man in midfield as well, but they still couldn't create anything. So, the point being that, yeah, it wasn't enthralling to watch attacking-wise and that, but there is a lot of positives to take out of how we kept our shape, limited them and basically forced them every time they came with it in midfield they were forced to go back way and recycle it. And that's why it was kind of poor in the eye. But for us, um, you know, shape-wise and things, if we, if we manage to keep that, that compact and, and stop teams from getting chances like we have done recently, then it's a good sign going forward.
0: It's an interesting one, Stevie, because actually, if you look over the course of the season, Hibs have been a difficult opponent for us and and certainly very stubborn and They've nicked results against us, arguably, where they, they shouldn't have done, and, and and we've let ourselves down. Well, obviously, we've let ourselves down against Aberdeen and Kilmarnock, but we've also let ourselves down against Hibs over the course of the season. Um, but it sounds to me like you are fairly impressed with the way that we not only controlled the game for a lot of the first half, but then in the second 45, when there were perhaps changes from Hibs, how we reacted to that, how we responded, how we kept our shape, kept a solid structure, and... Um, you know, managed to absorb any pressure that came our way. There's a there's a comment here on the on the YouTube uh, from T84 who says that there were too many passes backwards in the second half. Um, perhaps we weren't clinical enough. Perhaps we weren't pushing forward enough. He, he, he highlights Kamara had a fantastic chance to shoot in the second half. I know exactly what he's referring to. Fantastic chance to shoot where someone perhaps who was more attacking-minded, might have taken an effort on goal. Would you agree with that, that we were passing, you know, perhaps retaining the ball too much without looking for a cutting edge? Or are you pleased to see that in, in games against oppositions where we have struggled so far this season?
2: Um, no, I think it's a fair comment the boy makes. Um, I, I know the one that, talking about Kamara, he was on the right side of the box, um, nearest to the main stand, the second half. I think Kamara, I don't think he's that type of player, to be honest. Um, I didn't think Kamara was that great today. I've seen him being, being a lot better. But the word passive probably the best word to use here. I mean, um, we've seen it in performances before this season when it's been like that. Um, and it's cost us. We're fortunate today that it didn't. And it's a fine line because had Canberra stuck away that chance and it had been one inch, we would have been sitting here saying, we've seen this story before, we've seen this game before, etc. So there really is, there's a fine line. But the the point I made before, I'm not happy that we didn't press the ball, we didn't exert ourselves on, on the on the game, but I'm happy that we limited them and and kept our shape and, and done well. Defensively that's important. I mean we're we're approaching a summer where we're probably going to be looking at making defensive changes in, in terms of left back and you know there's still a massive question mark over whether or not to have will be here next year, which we'll probably come to later. But if we're making changes to our full backs, it would be nice that we could you know we could look at it and say, well Katic and Goldson together, how much are we going to have to spend to get somebody better than Katic? Um, in in terms of our future and things like that. I mean, Cattich. Remember, what well, one point five million? The he's played the last three or four games, he came out of the team at the right time. I thought maybe he was kept out of it longer than necessary. But Katic going forward, do we really need to replace him, or is it a case of right? Let's see who we can pick up on Bosmans, you know, Metzer's and you know, in the pipeline, things like that. Now, um, we'll obviously touch on that later. But there is there's positives. For me, I always try and see the bright side of everything. The boy makes a good point in terms of passive. That's probably how we were today. But I think Ryan Jack says as well that the team were very tired, except for your know, hot weather. It was quite, um, quite warm today at times. So yeah, it's very much an end of the season game as well. Ross Hibbs went. I don't think they were that interested either, mate. To be that honest.
0: I'll tell you what, Steve, you're making my job very easy because the next thing I was going to come on to there was Niko Katic who. Um I think has been has been more than solid and more than dependable in the last two or three games and then today I thought strolled it to be honest, I thought he cleaned up everything that he was asked to clean up um he He moved about the park superbly uh, I, I I never once felt the slight apprehension the slight unease that we felt with Nico Katic before um and i was i, I absolutely impressed with what the the lad was doing, and we have to remember. That he's a, a young lad who's obviously in a, a new, novel environment for him, a new team with more expectation and more pressure than he's ever been exposed to before. Um, and I think he's... Uh, you know, I, we've, we've, we've all sat on this podcast before being somewhat critical, perhaps, of the way that Katic was treated in the, the middle portion of the season. Obviously, he played a huge number of games at the start of the season, particularly in the Euro qualifiers... And then was taken out of the the team for an extended period, and you know there was all this chat of free the Katic one, and um, we'd want to see him back in the team. But perhaps the the, the management of Nico Katic as a player and as a, a human, as an individual, has been um, perhaps Gerard and the management team have got that spot on. And I was I was delighted with the way he played today. I thought he was exemplary, and I thought he was um, really showing the the promise that we've perhaps that we, we hoped for when we were first linked with this young raw centre-back for Croatia. Um, Pete, one of the, the, the main talking points before this game was when the team came out 90 minutes before the before kick-off, um, a, a huge question was always going to be who leads the line. Morelos back for your suspension, Defoe in decent goal-scoring form, the team putting away goals left, right and centre without Morelos, uh, who, who leads the line? And Morelos obviously was left on the bench today uh, Defoe, given that that starting striker's been uh birth. Pete, in your opinion, is that the right decision to leave Morelos on the subs bench?
1: Well, I, I really think it was the only decision that Gerrard could have made because I think if he had have brought in Morelos uh, today at the, from the beginning, I think he would have been leaving himself o- open for a lot of criticism. Um, it said. Tough decision to make to leave your top goalscorer uh, on the bench, but I think hopefully it'll make Morales think a, a bit about it as well why he's been on the bench, and I think the, against Celtic we'll probably start without him as well. So especially with his record against Celtic, um, one thing I was wanting we we're talking about defence here. One thing I want to 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 say as well, um, James Tavernier, I think the the difference in him his defending this year under the the Gerrard uh, and his staff's training I think he's absolutely come a million miles from where he was uh that, that just that, and I, I know we're going to talk about a players of the year awards in a in a, a some time and I just think he it's absolutely terrible that he shouldn't he was not named in it
0: so why do you think that might be Pete why do you think that his defensive side has has come on so much over the past six to nine months?
1: Well, I would take it it's a lot to do with the training staff and and the the training that he's getting. Uh, He's still had as many assists, but I I don't think he's as gung-ho as he used to be. He's sort of a now thinks about it. And I think, um, well, we've seen quite a lot that uh, that nobody covered for him when he was... uh, when, when he went forward. And candeus we, we've seen with a couple of goals at Candias, I can't remember, was it against Celtic that he just stood and watched, uh, put his hands in his knees. And I think, well, candeus he looks like he's working really hard. A lot of times, he just lets his player go. And I think that put a lot of pressure on Tavernier as well. But I seem to think with Ryan Jack in there, he covers a, a, a lot. And I think that's just people covering for him, plus the fact he's not so gung-ho. And it's the coaching I think's really brought him along really far it's
0: it's a really interesting one to it it's impossible to predict the future for james Tavenier. um he's he's i think you know we're obviously pete we were chatting before we come on air just now that you know he's what he brings to the side is is perhaps irreplaceable um Obviously, the, the the number of goals and assists that he that he contributes, not just in one season, but year after year after year, is is remarkable for a a right back. And obviously, a modern day right back wants to push forward, wants to create, wants to assist. Um, but it's you know it's a really difficult one because perhaps his defensive side has been shown up in the past as, as being somewhat lacking, and, and and that's not without justification. There's a number of goals where you can quite specifically point to Tavernier for losing his man at a cross ball or or whatever it might be Um, so it's a a really difficult one and and like I say we're going to push on and talk about the state of the squad and transfer talking talk in in a a wee while this evening so we'll we'll definitely come to that Um, one of the the biggest talking points this evening Stevie is always going to be the red card for Alan McGregor a man who has been Mr. Dependable Mr. Reliable someone who quite conceivably could be Rangers player of the season this year particularly if you look at the European performances earlier on in the season. Um, he finds himself on the receiving end of a red card this evening. Uh, in my opinion, it was wholly deserved. And there is very, very little you can say in his defence. Um, Stevie, talk to me about Shagger's red card today. What is what is he thinking? What's going through his mind there?
2: I'm not sure. Um but we shouldn't be shocked, um, because it's not the first time he's done it this year, um, and that's uh, difficult because Alan McGregor has, has been exceptional for us. But we're talk we're not talking about a young guy. We're not talking about a guy that doesn't know about Rangers. We're not talking about a guy that has isn't been there and done that with a our club. For some reason, Alan McGregor. At times this year, has just had angry man syndrome, and a drawback. Even to, 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 he's he's had incidents before. But even if you look back at the command game, the, the one each game at Ibrooks recently, where he where he charged out to a halfway line after the referee, and and, um, and then that, you know that promptly cost him because he got cautioned and then couldn't make a challenge when the boy came through on goal and skipped past him and scored. There's a there's a fine line between being a good leader at the back and and being over aggressive and 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 passive aggressive and stuff like that. And Alan McGregor recently has has overstepped the mark. What he was thinking about today, I just don't know. McNulty's stood in front of him and, and been a bit of a pest and he'll get the free kick for it. But the replay was just hideous. I mean, we we were in the ground and I couldn't understand it at the time. And I don't think anyone really understood it at the time because if you watch it, I don't know if watching it on telly, people would have seen this, but people at the ground would have have surely noticed it. See, when he showed McGregor the red card and then he showed McNulty the the yellow card, there was no reaction from anyone on the pitch. The players took a good five, six, seven seconds to realise he's just sent him off. What is going on? And in one, the Rangers players then ran to the ref and, and decided, you know, and, and asked them what was going on. It just, it, it looks even worse on the replay. And I, do you know what? I can't offer an explanation. I just don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what went through his head. And it just, it only kind of points back to me that I hope the club deal with him. And I don't I don't say that as if I'm, I'm rubbishing him or, or, you know, we should bin him. That's that's not my point. But the club need to sit down with Alan McGregor and find out what's gone through his head. Why he's so angry? Why these things are happening on the pitch? Be a leader. You don't need to be a leader by doing what you did today. You know, people have a go at Tav and for being captain and, and wanting him to be more like Alan McGregor and stuff like that. But um, there was an excellent blog put out on Four Lads last week by John McIntosh, who guested for us and wrote it. On, on some of Tav's stats and things like that as captain. That's how you be a captain. That's how you be a leader. You don't need to do what you've done today. You don't need to be the guy that's constantly on um, at the referee. You know, you can be on at a referee and do it properly, but we don't want guys chasing um, referees to halfway line when you're supposed to be in goals and things like that. And let's be honest, Al McGregor's 38. He's he's in the twilight of his career. He's back playing for Rangers. He's had more nights out with women than, than I've had in, in my lifetime in and, and one night I'm sure he should be happy he should be relaxed he's playing for his boyhood team somebody needs to sit down with him and, and sort it out because it does us no good what happened today it could have cost us and it'll do his pocket no good when the manager finds him for it and that's exactly what should happen
1: that might be part of his problem though Stevie that, that he knows he's getting older and his career's not going to be an awful lot longer that might be part of his problem that is, that's making him angry.
2: I mean, well, as a goalkeeper at 38, you've still got two or three years. He, it's not like it's ending next week, Pete. He should be in a position where he's, you know, he's the number one at the club. He doesn't have anything to prove. Yeah, there should be a burning desire and you want all your players to be, to be aggressive in the right way, to go and win things and do things, but you don't want your players to be aggressive like that today and let's be honest here see if he had connected with that boy properly in his back what damage is he doing to that boy it was just it's absurd it really watching it again there's there's no rational explanation and there's no defense the intent is ridiculous it's just it's lunacy there's there's no absolutely no other word to describe his behavior today you're right Stevie it's, it's absolute
0: madness um and there's, I don't know, there's there's, there's almost, you can't justify a thought process that goes on behind that because there is no thought process behind that. It's um, it's incredibly difficult to try and rationalise or justify what he's done there. Stevie, what, what role does McGregor have for us going forward? Presumably he's, he's number one going into next season, but let like you say he's he's what, 37, 38 years old. Um, what's the long-term future here and at what point do we need to start having contingency planning or, um, I don't know, future-proof
2: planning for for the goalkeeper position for that number one jersey? Well, it's already there, Ross. Um, I was going to say Ross McCrory after today, maybe, but Robbie McCrory is the the, the future for the club. I think he's the one that the, the club are looking at. He's he's the one with the potential He spent um, time on loan um, I think he went down to here air last year and he was at Morton obviously this year and he's he's played every game at Morton um, as far as I'm aware he's, he's the one he's 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 the future but um, Alan McGregor comfortably is our number one for the next two and three years and he, he shouldn't like, like, nobody's pointing out that he should be you know ostracised and, and put out the team after tonight after today but the the point is the matter is that Alfredo Morelos has let Rangers down at times this year. Alan McGregor's done it as well, and Alan McGregor could have cost us big time. And it goes back to kind of a point I made before about our shape and our defence and, and stopping Hibs. for the last five, six minutes when we had a, a midfielder, a young midfielder in goals. They never got near us. So that's also, you know, that's pleasing the way we saw the game out, and perhaps we're learning on that, which is good. But let's be honest, you know, any shot, header, Proper cross at the young field today. He most likely wouldn't have had a chance. And Alan McGregor's got off extremely lightly in terms of not letting the team down. Contingencies going forward, I don't think we need one. I mean, we probably think Wes will leave this year. And we'll get maybe get somebody in. We'll be linked with likes of Clark and stuff like that. It we'll would be a good deputy, in my opinion. But I don't think we need to be overly concerned. I think he just needs to be sat down and, and for want of a better expression, have his arse kicked and, and told, look, there's been a good leader and there's been, you know, there's there's been an idiot in letting your teammates down by being overly aggressive and you need to step back, sort it out and, and do it. I mean, he's he's acting like he's a young boy with a point to prove and, um, you know, I'm um, Billy Big Balls and... He doesn't need to do it. It's Alan McGregor. You're the number one, you're best keeper in the country. Just concentrate on what you're doing and don't get involved in the in the absolute nonsense. I mean that. Every time I see that today, it just gets worse. It's it's actually cringe worthy. I don't even. I can't explain it.
0: I it does. It gets worse and worse every time you see it, and the intent is 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 somewhat baffling. If we're honest, Pete, how do you feel about? Wes Fodringham coming into goals against Celtic next season in um, what could be described as a dead rubber, but there is no such thing as an old firm dead rubber. This is a huge game for for Rangers in the not just in the course of this season, but as a springboard to next season. How do you feel about having Fod as as the man between the sticks there?
1: Well, Wes Fodringham, he's he's, he's never really let us down, has he? He's, I mean, he got dropped for McGregor. McGregor is a better keeper, but I mean, Fodringham was a good number one, and he's a, he's a, certainly a more than good reserve keeper. So I have that, that, that absolutely no problem about coming in uh, against Celtic. Uh, there was a lot of talk that we should uh, put in a challenge against McGregor's red card, put in an appeal, but I think Rangers would be totally in the wrong foot to do that because uh, it, it was a deserved red card. It was stupidity. And... No, I think uh, I've, I've totally no problem with Fodderham coming in. He, the last time he came in, he done really well. For, I think he was in for two or three games, wasn't he, when McGregor was uh, suspended? And he done well then. And in one way, Fodderham's been a wee bit unlucky that, that he's, he lost his place in the first uh, first place. But um, McGregor is a better keeper, makes better saves. Uh but I've, I've 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 every confidence that Rangers are going to do to Celtic what we have done with them on the twenty ninth of December, and they won't be in our, they won't be near our goal that often. So I'm not really worried about the keeper. Might play Ross McCrody again because hopefully he'll he'll be enough.
0: Hi, fair enough. I mean, it's 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 an interesting one. And listen, we're going to have a um, normally. Regular listeners to the show will know that we, normally we do a, a, a live show every Sunday evening at uh, this time. We're also, as it's the old firm this week, we're going to have a, a midweek old firm preview show going out, I think, on Thursday evening. But make sure you keep across all the JazzNet social channels. Um, we'll keep you up to date with that. We'll, we'll be previewing the the old firm clash, um, looking at who comes in to replace McGregor, looking at who leads the line, all these big questions we're going to tackle. Um, this coming week, Colin will be hosting for that, so uh, we're not going to go into that at the moment too much. Definitely check that out throughout the week as it comes. Um, Pete, I'd like to talk a wee bit more in a broader context now. If we move on specifically for the head game, to look at the the, the, the wider league, um, how it's gone for us, and and how we look to progress going into 2019-2020 season. Obviously. Celtic wrapped up the title yesterday with uh, three points away at Aberdeen. What a shock that was, by the way, that Aberdeen couldn't beat Celtic. Um, it's it's never nice to see the, the Scottish Premiership going to Celtic. It's never nice for a Rangers side to not win any trophy that we go in for. Um, however, considering the rebuilding exercise that's been going on and considering the false starts that Rangers have had over the past, um, well, certainly the past three years, but if we, you know the rebuilding, the false starts that have gone on for the past six or seven years, the the challenge this season, considering the rookie management team, the um, the new players brought in, the rebuild that went in over the summer, the challenge was for us to get closer to Celtic. In your opinion, Pete, is that somewhat, despite the fact that we've no won the league this season, is it? to a degree, mission accomplished?
1: Well, I don't think for a Rangers team it's ever mission accomplished to become second. But, obviously, from where we came, then uh, we've travelled out a long distance. But I really believe that Rangers should have won the league this year. Uh, we, we threw it away ourselves. Celtic Celtic didn't beat us in the league this year. They, we, we threw it away. Games like Hibs, where we lost goals... Stupid goals to to make it one each or, or uh, a game against Aberdeen at the beginning of the season when we when we lost in the last minute. We played nearly ninety minutes with Morellis uh, sitting in the stand. Uh, games like that cost us the league, and inconsistency cost us the league. Morellis's behaviour cost us the league. I, I certainly don't think Celt- because Celtic were there for the taking this year, and just unfortunately. We weren't big enough to stand up. The players weren't. Um, they're, they're, they did. They didn't. Uh, the lights some was getting sent off and things like that. McGregor, the way he's been acting, we've just been not good enough, not inconsistent, too inconsistent. And hopefully that we'll get things like that sorted out and we'll come out because. We have really played the best football this year, I think, in and, and, and spasms. that, that we, I mean, the likes of that move in the second minute, I think it was, of the game today. Uh, I mean, I was just absolutely up my feet standing clapping at it. And I'd, I really think, we, if, if, with a few players uh, added to the squad, I really think we, we, we should be right up there for the title next year.
0: I, I I totally agree with you, Pete. I think that um, it's we we you know, we said this last week as well when when Stevie and John were on the show. We said that the the difficult thing for us to to kind of swallow is that it's been fine margins. It's been the Aberdeen game, the Motherwell game, where we've dropped points in the last minute. The the converse of that is that the Celtic, you know, they they had was it back in February February or March they had. Uh, Dundee and Kilmarnock where they turned draws into wins in the last minute. If if those results had gone the other way, they lose six points there. We pick up six point, uh, four points there. Um, this league looks completely different. If so, it's, it's it's fine margins, and that's what's simultaneously encouraging and disheartening is the fact that we've not been able to capitalise where we should have been able to capitalise. But we are not a million miles away. It is fine margins. Um, Stevie how confident are you of stopping Celtic getting 10 in a row and and perhaps on a bigger point how important is it that we do stop 10 in a row is that is it meaningless or is it quite significant that we
2: do win the title within the next two years um, difficult question 10 in a row is meaningless to me in terms of uh, it's a in my opinion it's a fallacy we weren't there for you know, half of them, um, they have done their best to bury us so that they would have this chance. Um, different discussion possibly, but in in terms of of them winning, I'm not interested. It's it's more about Rangers returning to where we belong and and completing our recovery, and that'll not happen until we win the league title. Um, I'm confident in where we're going. Um, I'm confident in the summer. I've said that vocally. I've said that before. Um I believe that we'll do big things this summer. Um and I believe that we'll be ready. If you look at just anyone that you know that wonders, just listen to Stephen Gerrard post match, two and a half minute interview today. Um beating Hibbs, one five games in a row and he he's not happy. He's he's not he's not content. He's you know and and he knows that was a similar game to, to where we've dropped today, etc. And he knows what where we have to address. Stephen Gerrard isn't here in a jolly. He's got a huge reputation, which he's very much put on the line, and he's desperate for us to be winners. Um, I I just, you know, Pete, you talked about this season being a missed opportunity and things like that. Yeah, in some ways, maybe in other ways, it's, it's like you say, it's fine margins, but I'm confident in where we're going, I'm confident in what we're going to do to be there. Um, and it's a, a huge summer ahead and I'm confident we'll get it right and I'm confident we'll be ready for next year
1: Can I just say is one thing that, that uh, I've watched and saw all year is that see when Celtic are winning one are drawing one each with five minutes to go you're sitting uh, praying that they're not going to score see when Rangers are drawing one each you're thinking to yourself we could play here another five hours and still no score that Seems to be the difference between the two teams as well. Celtic seem to have that drive to get a, a result to the last second, and we just in the, the games that we draw one each, we just seem you know they're never going to score.
0: Now, Pete, is that is that a physical thing considering we have the top scorer in the league in Alfredo Morelos, we have one of the greatest goal scorers of the English Premier League in Jermaine Devoe, and actually we have a a very potent attacking mechanism sat behind them with the likes of Scott Arfield, Daniel Condéas, Ryan Kent. Um, or is that a mental thing, in your opinion? Why is that? Why is there that um, the imbalance where you're hoping they didn't score, whereas you're confident that we won't score?
1: I don't, I don't really know. I can't put my finger on it, but I, I think it might be that uh, Celtic throw extra men up into attack because I've even seen their centre halves moving up. Uh, whether it's a mental thing from other teams, the likes of Kilmarnock, thinking, oh, we're going to get a draw here against the champions, we'll try and hang on, and then they, they stop attacking. I don't know whether it's that's a part of it. I certainly think that teams at the moment are more frightened of Celtic than they are of Rangers. So I think that's possibly uh, one part of it. But uh, to put my finger on exactly why, I mean, the games that we, we have... Uh, drawn or or even lost some of them where where the team have broke away and scored a goal I mean as I say we we just never looked at scoring we just uh, it was like hitting your head off a brick wall the whole day and I think that's the difference and and I suppose that's to do with consistency
0: Listen consistency could be uh, well let's say inconsistency could be the, the, the tagline for our season of course and not only have we spoken about that on this show, but it's, it's coming out of Stephen Gerrard's own mouth is saying that inconsistency has, has been crippling for us over the course of the season. Um, perhaps you expect that with a rookie manager. Perhaps you expect that with a rookie management team and with a new squad all coming together. Um, but that inconsistency does seem to be dying away to a degree. Uh, obviously, we now make that was five games, one in a row and four out of five games with, with a clean sheet the consistency does seem to be coming together. Perhaps we're finding form at the wrong time. Um, but I think we're now at the point where, in my opinion, and, and correct me guys if, if, if you think I'm wrong, but we now need to be looking towards um, a springboard into next season because obviously, as we all know, the, the close season in Scotland is criminally short and we will be uh, finding ourselves in the European qualifiers within two months. So... It's now all about gathering momentum, gathering pace, and 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 crucially for this squad, gathering confidence and and springing into next season with a a positive mind frame and and with good results behind us, knowing that we can beat anyone in this league. And 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 the important thing there is knowing that we can beat Celtic next week. Um, Pete, before we move on and look at the state of the squad and and talk about transfers and the latest gossip, in your opinion, what's the game plan for the rest of the season? Um. I've got one eye on the fact, as as Stevie mentioned earlier in the show, that the youths at Rangers have been doing incredibly well recently and that the the under-18s won their league last week. Um, There was a cup win for the under-16s today and and the reserve team can win their league on Monday. And I'm sure by the time a lot of folk listen to this podcast, the reserves, let's hope, have have been able to win the league and and secure um, the, the equivalent of Champions League football what's the game plan for the rest of the season in your opinion? Is it worth blooding the youngsters through or is it worth pushing on for the six points? Considering on paper they are dead rubbers and there's no dead rubbers in Scotland. There's no meaningless games in Scotland. Um Is it worth playing those youngsters or is it worth pushing on for the six points?
1: No, well, it's only two games left and one's against Celtic. So we always want to win Celtic. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, put youth players in for that. I, I mean, I think... People forget, it's okay saying the under-18s played great and they're, they're, they're playing, but people forget there's a really big jump between youth football and playing against Celtic. So I certainly wouldn't uh, play them. I, I wouldn't play any youth players for that. I would just keep the, the team, play the year out with the squad we've got and the, the way we've the way we've been playing. And one thing I wanted to say as well, when the the style of football, when we've got Morelos up front, the whole thing was about getting the ball to Morelos and the way we've been playing the last five weeks, we've been far more flexible with Davis going through Afield going through and, and at different times. So I think that's been a big difference as well, that we're not just, we're not as um, readable that that uh, people can think, oh, well, they're just going to punt the ball up to Morelos and Morelos will try something and, I think that, that's been a big difference as well. The the way we've been playing the last few weeks that we're, we're a lot more um, flexible.
0: I totally agree with you. and it's uh, in, a, in, a, in a strange and kind of perverse way, it's been somewhat refreshing having Morelos drop out of the side and you can see the value that um, particularly Scott Arfield can bring to the squad because I, I think he's been an absolute revelation and I've spoken on the pod before about how I view this guy, Scott Arfield, I think that when, when he's not playing and when he's injured or he's suspended, you can, you see him by his absence. Um, it, The the value that he brings to the squad is, is incredible. And actually this, this brings us really nicely onto the final topic that I want to discuss with you tonight is, is transfer talk and the state of the squad. So just before we, we push into the latest transfer rumours, I think it's a really nice little segue into talking about current players um, and, and seeing where we are with the squad at the moment. And, um, Pete, if we stay with Scott Arfield, he, he's verbally committed this week in an interview with Lad Brooks. He's committed to staying at Rangers. He he acknowledges interest from the likes of Southampton, the likes of Crystal Palace, who are probably going to pay him more. Obviously, a, a, a bigger current media profile at these kind of clubs, bigger exposure, um, and a, certainly a bigger pay packet. Um, but Scott Arfield is verbally committed to Rangers, saying his family's happy here, he's happy here. He likes being back up the road. He likes... Um, the environment he feels appreciated how important is our field to the squad and, and what kind of role do you envisage him having next season
1: well he's one of the few players that can play between the lines for rangers at the moment and that's his big thing he can ghost into the box and i, I, hope, I hope you're not suggesting there's going to be a straight swap for armstrong by the way at southampton
0: <laughs> well no no the thing is that's that's Stevie saying that last week. If anyone never never heard the show last week, Stevie breaking the news that we are absolutely hundred percent signing Stuart Armstrong for Southampton.
1: I'll let Stevie answer to that one.
2: Aye. Stevie's not beating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, well, um Atfield obviously played a big uh part in the last uh few games and I think it's definitely a player that I would I would be hoping to keep. Um, I think we're pretty all sure that Morales is going to be leaving so we'll probably be changing our style anyway and hopefully if we're looking for a new centre forward that they'll get one where Arfield will play the sort of a way he's been playing the last two or three weeks
0: It's, it's a really interesting one because I think he's been a, an incredibly strong character to have on the pitch but by all accounts the influence that he has in the dressing room is, is invaluable and um, to me, he's he's the consummate professional. The, the the creativity that he has on the pitch, in terms of linking the midfield to the attack, is is incredible. And and like I said, you, you notice him by his absence when he's not there. He's um I think he's a real asset to the squad from a from an attacking point of view. And um I was I was delighted to see the the interview earlier with with Labrook, where he said that he was he was committed to staying at Rangers. Um Stevie. I know that a lot of the folk listening to the show are, are delighted to have you back on after the, the kind of bombshells that you dropped on us last week. Uh, last week, you mentioned on the show that there were a couple of things in the pipeline that you couldn't really mention. Since then, a couple of things have come out in the media um, about one or two players that have been linked. And I'm, I'm going to presume that one of the players you couldn't really talk about being linked to, to Rangers was uh, a certain Mr. Andre Gray from, from Watford. Um what can you tell us about any potential links and, and any moves that we might be making for him?
2: Not a lot, to be quite honest. Um I mean he was one, he was one of three um potential strikers that, that we're looking at. Um the other one we've already discussed, um being Danny Welbeck. Um interest in, in Welbeck and Grey is is real. Um whether or not they'll happen, is, is I just don't know. Um, it, it just kind of goes back to what I'm saying. Like A, a lot of the names that I've seen um, will surprise people because in many ways, I think we're, we're punching above our weight. But it, it goes down to the, the kind of Steven Gerrard factor uh, in terms of people will want to come here and play for him. Uh, you've seen it with the likes of Defoe even the likes of of Arfield and Davis and things. That when you get these guys and and the reasons kind of maybe different shape and why we're playing well is that guys like Arfield and, and Davis have of genuine quality. Um and I don't mean that disrespectfully to our team. I just think that they played in the Premiership that they're quality players down there and and they've shown it in their time here. Um the guys that we're looking at and aiming at are, are exciting. I mean, people have kind of rubbish the, the Danny Welbeck thing and, and rubbish the Andre Gray thing, and and I'm I'm not saying that they're coming. That's that's not what I'm saying at all. But if we're looking at these guys, then that's where I'm encouraged. Um, and we're we're certainly at least punching to get the very best possible that we can. And in terms of me saying it, and it's, it's going to be an exciting summer and things like that, people need to realise that I'm not saying that we're going to go. Out we spend 20 million. I'm not saying that we're going to go out and sign world superstars. What I am saying is we'll go and get the very best that's available to us. And a few of those names will surely excite people. Stevie, does Danny Welbeck, does he not get a really bad injury
1: problem behind him?
2: Yeah, which probably makes him perfect for Rangers, to be honest. We love a good knee injury. Is he he not described as the, the, the black
0: Jordan Rossiter? Well, As, that's, a, that's a horrible silence, by the way. That's a shocking. <laughs> a shocking
1: <pattern. laughs> that died. <laughs> ah, that was
0: awful.
1: Right. That's a good thing we're we'll no live. Um, Is there any news And Maybe Stevie knows that. Is there any news in Roger? whether he's going to be called back or whether he's, he's just going to be punted? Is there any. Do you know no, de-
2: no decision made on any of the lone players. None of them have been told, and they probably won't until after the season finishes. It's normally a few days after the season finishes that he'll sit down with everybody and tell them what's what, but with two games to go, he's, he's not going to do that. So it's always been, when the season finishes, it normally finishes, Saturday, Sunday, whatever day it's on, and then by the Monday, Tuesday, we'll we'll know where it stands. I certainly know that the likes of, of, of Doherty hasn't been told yet what, what's happening with him, so it will be the exact same with Jordan Rossiter. But on Jordan Rossiter, Jordan Rossiter's been fit now for over a year, He's had no injuries in terms of his his problems with um his grown His his whole problem was his, his growth and body problems with his bones and things like that. And that's that looks to have been sorted by our medical team. Um, he's played consistently well for Buddy for for six months. Thing he scored a cracker just there. Um, whether or not he is a future Jordan Rossiter, is undoubtedly a good player. Um, the same way as as Greg Dockett, he's undoubtedly a good player, but. Are they where we need to go, and are they better than the names we're looking at? Is is something that Gerard's going to have to decide. So one
0: one name that we have been looking at and that we've been linked with this week is is in the centre back department. Is this this guy from France, uh, playing in France at the moment. And, and apologies for my pronunciation, Mexer, um, who I believe is playing out at, at Rennes. Um Stevie, is, is there much that you know about him? Not particularly if you if you know there's concrete interest, but have you have you heard much about this guy? Do you know much
2: about his style of play? What what do you know about this 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 chap? Absolutely nothing. No. Sorry, mate. Um no, I can't shopper. offer much to this at all. Um I don't ever recall seeing him. I don't ever recall um even seeing his name. Um I just I just don't know. Um there's no point in, in trying to say otherwise. What I would say is that um if we're going to spend money in terms of on other positions, which might be more important, um, then there's no harm in looking at picking up certain positions for Bosmans and things like that. Now, by all accounts, this guy's got a pretty decent resume and he's highly thought of. And it does seem that we're quite far down the line with that Um, in terms of Gerard was in France last week. Um, but it's a difficult one. Rangers are, are, are a very kind of, it's easier to find out about British players and things like that because we have agents and things, you know, who want to contact us and things like that. But when it comes to a lot of the foreign deals, like guys like Barisic and Catech last year, we, we don't get wind of this until it's more or less done because it's, it's easier to, to keep a secret, basically, um, in, uh, in Europe than it is here. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're, we're quite far down the line with that. Um, in terms of this boy coming so he's he's obviously got something that we want um, unfortunately however mate I'm sorry I, I can't add anything to telling you what sort of player he is or or, or what he's going to bring to us because of, I I can't recall ever seeing him play well do you know what thankfully
0: this is my time to shine um, for anyone that doesn't you know I've, I've, I've been living in Luxembourg for the past year um, and I'm moving back to the UK in a couple of weeks but I'm a For now, I'm a Luxembourg resident, and obviously the football out here is absolute garbage, but we're very, very close to France, and a lot of the the football you'll get on the telly is um, French, Belgian, German football. So I've I've been watching a a hell of a lot of continental football over the past 12 months. um, And For a a football nerd like myself, it's it's wonderful. I've loved it. Um, What's interesting about the French League is that you have a real... uh, a real break in the, in the quality and that the, the, the real top, the pinnacle of, of League 1 in, in France is, is exceptional quality. The creativity flowing through teams like um, Paris Saint-Germain, Marseille, Lyon is, is exceptional. They're, they're incredibly creative players, flamboyant players who who could hold their own in, in any league in, in Europe. Uh, but then you kind of break down outside the top five in France and it becomes very industrial and almost heavy-footed and, and cloggish football. Um, and actually, in, in, in a lot of ways, is, is not too dissimilar to Scottish football, in, in, in my uneducated opinion. Um, and, and that's where you come into contact with guys like Mexer, um, is, is because the, the, the style of football they're asked to defend against in, in, the, whole, in the main is, is, is very similar to Scottish football. And it's not particularly cultured. It's more about physicality. It's more about brute strength. It's more about um, you know battering down teams, and and that's what actually because I've seen I've seen mixer a few times now playing, and I watched the, the cup final recently against Paris. It's it's what he does very well. Is he's he's no frills. He's no nonsense. Um, he's a bit more polished than a Nico Katic, but he. he it, I was saying just before we come in here, I said that you know, when I was growing up, Rangers would always have a no-nonsense, big, tough center half who would clear his lines and not necessarily do a whole lot more, but that's what you want him to do. And perhaps we've lacked that over the past maybe decade, we might have lacked that. Um so I think it's it's an interesting uh, fit for Rangers you know obviously we've been burned in the past with the lower league English markets you could make an argument that we've been burned this year with the Croatian market so let's let's experiment a wee bit more in the French market in my opinion if this guy's coming on a Bosman he's out of contract and we're just paying the salary as opposed to a transfer fee could be a really really interesting proposition It'd be I'd be really keen to see how this worked out um, Pete, if we're looking away from the transfer rumours as to, to who's coming in, we might need to take a wee look at who's going out. And obviously, we've spoken a lot about um, comments that Gerard has had around players who, if they're not going to apply themselves, they might need to find themselves a new club, such as perhaps the Barisic, the Gresda, the Lafferty's of the club. Um, we've spoken in the past on this podcast, though, about Alfredo Morelos. And, and you mentioned 10 minutes ago that it looks like he might be moving on in the summer. Um, It's not a particularly controversial opinion. I think that's fairly widely accepted. Um, But we spoke maybe two months ago about Morelos having a transfer value perhaps of up to 20, even over 20 million pounds. He's now found himself out of the team for the past five weeks through suspension and then today finding himself on the bench. That 20 million pounds, do you think you now would need to revise that figure? Has that dropped at all over the past couple of months?
1: No, I don't think so. I think... um... I think don't think Rangers will sell him if, if he's going to, if they're going to drop the price to ten million or or nine million. I don't think Rangers will sell him. I think they'll keep him. He's got a contract now to twenty twenty three, so we're, there's, we're not we don't need to sell him. Uh, so I, I, I don't think Rangers will sell him if the the price is going to drop down. So I think if any team wants him, they're going to have to come in. They're going to have to pay what Rangers want for him. Um, it could it probably could bring the price down a wee bit because of, of his uh, the way he behaves. But I think uh, any team that wants him, they'll probably be hoping that we can sort out all his problems on the field. And the it, 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 they know he's a he's a twenty million pound striker, but it's just whether you get him to 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 be cool headed, to just do it, do the right things on the park, and not do the stupid things.
0: It's, it, it's such a difficult one because you know he's, he has now missed a lot of football in the run into the season um, and in the run up to the transfer window. So it's it, and I know that we're going to be covering this in quite significant detail over the next three or four weeks. So I don't, I don't want to go into it too heavily here, but it's um, certainly something to keep an eye on. Listen, uh, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that we're going to be running out of time very, very shortly. Stevie, just before we go... Um, we had the announcement this week that there was a a permanent contract for Stephen Davis will be remaining at the club for next season um, after his, his deal expires at Southampton. How do you feel about that? Is that a, is that a positive move considering that he perhaps had a stuttering start to his second spell at Rangers?
2: Certainly a, a positive in terms of um, now that he's getting played where he should be getting played. Um, being quite uh, vocal, if you like, if you can be on 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 our blog saying that. You know, Stephen Davis isn't a ten. Um I remember the, the St Johnson game trying to play him as a ten and he, he didn't look capable um of, of of doing that. his game is very much a, a deep playmaker role. And um of course he's he's got himself match fit and it just goes back I touched on it last week. You know, the players were warned, they were told that you're playing for your futures and you know, you're you're playing for your, your career here and he took it on board. Um and and he's, he's he's proved his worth. I mean, Stephen Davis is, is is a quality player. The question was whether he still had his quality and he's he shown his had. So, I mean, a one-year deal, it's almost like we're learning. You know, he's 34, one, one year's enough. I'm sure that if he has a good season next year and he, he does the, the same sort of things he has done the last three, four games, then then we could extend it again. But um, it's a sensible move for me, a sensible move for the club. And yeah, I'm glad he's signed. I'm glad he's staying. Stevie,
1: can I just ask you, do you not think, I mean, it's something I believe, do you not think that there was an 18 month deal put in place six months ago when Davis joined us, that he would have been here whether he was still rubbish or not anyway?
2: It's certainly been suggested. I don't think it was any surprise, um, you know, that I've, I've said before on the Chair's Net forums that um, it, it was done and, you know, and, and that he would be signing. So, I wasn't surprised by um, the announcement two week, certainly. Um, was it was it done previously? Was it an agreement previously? I think only the, the real insiders at the club will know that. But um, I'm just you know I'm more happy. I don't tend to kind of analyse that. I'm more happy with the fact that he's now producing what we know he can, and he's been played properly. It's, these are the the most important and good things for me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And again today, he he showed the the class and the composure and the culture that he brings to the squad. Um, Listen, gents, I think that that is probably all that we have time for this evening. Uh, as always, let me first of all say a, a huge thank you to, to both Stevie and to Pete for their excellent contributions this evening for giving up their very, very valuable time. It's, it's, it's always much appreciated um guys if you've enjoyed the show please do be sure to hit the like and subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing from jersnet also be sure to head over to the website that's www.jersnet.co.uk um have a look on there you'll get all the latest news join in with a very friendly rangers discussion forum as always we're going to be back uh with another show next sunday but as i mentioned earlier we're going to be back with a very very special midweek old firm preview show Um, Colin will be in the hot seat bringing you all the old firm previews so make sure you do tune into that and and keep it on Gersnet for all the latest news in the run up to the end of the season Um, all that's left for me to say is until next time thank you very very much for listening and have a great week